0: Listening to audio from City Light South Church. If you'd like to check out more resources and find ways to get involved, go to citylightsouth.org.au. I wanted to jump into the Word of God this morning. That's why we gather. We gather every single week here um, around God's Word and around God's table, which we will just a little bit later uh, this morning. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Um, it's just after Ephesians and Philippians. You come to Colossians there in the New Testament. And I'm going to read this passage uh, from the CSB. And this is one of the, the high watermarks of the New Testament. It's a, a passage that's all about Jesus um, you may have heard songs, or um, you've made, uh, that using these lyrics. You may have um, memorized some of these passages, or, or maybe you're hearing this for the first time. And if so, that's just so good because this is just rich, rich words that God has uh, for us this morning. I want to I want to pray, and then I'll read from Colossians one, and we'll jump into the message for this morning. So join me as we pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for waking us up um, and giving us your new mercies already this morning. I pray that if we haven't seen those mercies, that you would give us eyes to see. Perhaps it's what you have for us in your word this morning. Perhaps it's a conversation, a word of encouragement that is shared among brothers and sisters here in this family. I pray that we would taste and see your goodness in its many, many forms uh, this morning. So God, I pray for, I ask for your help um, as I um, bring this word, Lord, that it, it is so hard to, to use human words and, and as a limited human being to communicate the glory and the majesty and beauty of Christ this morning. So help me to do that as, as well, um, to, to bring you glory and to bring joy to your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to read starting in verse 15 down to the end of the chapter. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have the first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him, if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant, according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. We're going to be talking this morning about Christ, our engine, the engine of this church, and how this church is the vehicle of what he is doing in our community, in us personally, and in the world. And we're talking about in a moment how Christ's life is the roadmap for how we carry out his mission here at City Light South Church. I wonder, um, I'm just looking around the room, how many of you, can I, can I just do this? I know this might be uncomfortable for some of you, but I think we'll be okay. If you were at our very first gathering on the 26th of January, 2020, would you stand up if you were at our very first gathering? It's a few of you. Look now, if you look around, it's so good. I, that's less than half of you that are here. were at our very first gathering. That means God is at work and he is bringing men and women to himself. Thank you guys. You can sit down now. Um, to him. He has been doing so many good things. We, Katrina and I, made a list of our original core team of about 48 people. That includes adults and kids. And of those 48 people, we reckon around 35 of them are still a part of the City Life South family. And those who've moved on have, are those who've moved interstate, got, uh, or done other things, moved on to other ministries. And so it is so exciting to see the way that God has grown this family through a pandemic, through joys, through challenges over the past three years. So encouraging. Our vision was and is and will be to be a fruitful and multiplying family of Jesus worshipers here in Onkaparinga and beyond. And we are definitely seeing the way that he is continuing to, the, the gospel is continuing to bear fruit here. The work is continuing to multiply. We're going to share just a couple of things at the end of um, the message today that we're looking forward to in 2023, but one of those is a a new discipleship group uh, that's launching. Um, It's just a reminder that we have not drifted away from our vision. We've not drifted away from our purpose. That is to be a church, if you remember that the very first series that we did, we called our 5G series. We said we're going to be a church that is built on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus. That once and for all message that was delivered from him through his spirit to his church. And we've inherited that. We didn't make it up. We don't have to tweak it and make it more appealing. It is what it is. It's beautiful, good news. And this church and the preaching of this church and the life of this church is built on the foundation of the gospel. And because of the gospel, we gather together for worship and the word and the table every single week. Because of the gospel, we grow, we change into the people that God intends for us to be. Because of the gospel, we give sacrificially of our time and talent and treasure. Because of the gospel, we go to places where the gospel has never been preached where Jesus has never been worshipped for his glory and our joy. And you might hear in that mission a lot of movement, a lot of movement. It's not stagnant, it's active. Being a Christian isn't about bunkering down and just waiting for Jesus to come and snatch us to heaven. Being a Christian is about following actively and with joy what Jesus is doing in the world and partnering with him. And the thing is about movement, if you want to move, if you think about moving, especially over a long distance, it's to have a good engine. Over the course of my life, I've had a few people tell me that I, they think that I would really enjoy fishing as a hobby. Uh, the one person who's never told me that is my dad, um, because he knows that we're very alike. We don't have, you know, lots and lots of endless patience for things. Um, I'm pretty sure I can remember as a kid, my dad sort of not so joyfully untangling a fishing line that I may have tangled up. Um, But even if you're planning, if you're planning on going fishing, like out in deep water somewhere, you're probably going to need a boat, and that boat is probably going to need an engine. Um, Recently, I came across this... um, a post online from an avid uh, fisherman. I, I could describe it to you as a lament, and I want to see if you can relate. Here's this this person. This is a this is a, a Queenslander writing this. He says, "I have lost count of the outboard boat engines I have owned over the years, but they all had one thing in common. They were all totally unreliable." Fill in the blank. I, Your imagination can fill that in. This weekend, for example, I anchored near a nice beach, so took the dinghy with my near new engine. It was running fine, and then suddenly it died. Anyway, long story short, I ended up spending half the day unsuccessfully trying to get the darn thing working properly. It would run for a while and then just splutter and stop. I did all the usual things. I drained the carby. I drained the tank. I replaced fuel with fresh. As I left the anchorage, there was another guy. Drifting in his dinghy, trying to start the darn thing, so at least it's not just me. If cars were unreliable, no one would drive them. That sounds like a good advertisement to take up fishing. Not really. But you need a lot of patience, especially if you have an unreliable engine. I'd rather stick to fishing off the jetty, I guess, or fishing on the beach. Or make sure you have a reliable engine. I I did a Google search after reading this about, um, you know, engines, because I don't know much. Um, like, I, I googled the world's biggest engine, what is it? And it, it's, a, it's in a boat, um, not a fishing boat, but in one of those big cargo ships that takes the shipping containers across the sea, keeps the supply chain moving, hopefully. Um, this engine is known as the Wartzilla RT Flex 96C. It's a diesel engine, um, there it is, uh, with f- um, 14 cylinders. It can generate over 107,000 horsepower, which is enough energy to keep the lights on for a large suburb. Um, That engine weighs 2,300 tons. It is 13.5 meters tall, which is about four stories in height. Um, The first ship that it was fitted in carries on it 11,000 shipping containers across the ocean at a speed of 31 knots, which that may not mean anything to you, but when that was released, it was like 50% faster than the next fastest ship. Um, and so that meant that this, they were measuring taking uh, goods from China to the US, and it would arrive in port four days faster than the next fastest ship in its class. It's all pretty impressive. You just think, in 50 years' time, how far the technology was going to take us and how, how fast we could get there. And, and by the way, this engine is also one of the most fuel-efficient, one of the, most, the cleanest burning engines in the world. Now, where am I going with this? City Light South Church has that vision, has a vision of being a fruitful, multiplying family of worshipers, non-copene and beyond. We've been moving toward that for these past three years, which raises an important question. What is the engine that we need to get us to the destination? What if it hasn't been invented yet? What if we haven't read the right book, or gone to the right conference, or listened to the right podcast? Can we even get there? Is this vision too unrealistic? Well, the good news is, is that the engine that we need, the engine for church planting, the engine for the church as a whole, is an engine that has been invented, actually was never invented, it has always existed. There's never been a time when the engine that we need has not been there, because the engine we need is not a machine, but a person. The person of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1 that I read just a moment ago, Paul is writing to a church that has already moved away a long way from its humble beginnings. The gospel had taken this diverse mob of people and brought them together and made them one family full of love for each other, which is a miracle in and of itself. But they haven't yet arrived at their destination. There's more distance to travel. There's more work to be done. Um, there, are, there were some folks around the Colossian region that were selling engines, if you like. They were selling methods, philosophies, alternate ways of doing church, alternate worldviews. And they were saying, guys, the stuff that the gospel message that Paul's selling you, it's really not that good. We've got the newest, latest, better model. You can mix in a little Jewish stuff, a little pagan stuff, and it's going to get you there faster and happier than you would be if you just listened to Paul. But Paul says, no. Church, there's only one engine, and that is Jesus Christ, and you need to keep your eyes locked on him. Because if you truly and fully understand who he is, if you see him, you will know there is no other engine. Nothing will compare to Christ. Absolutely nothing. And so he is going to, he's, he's almost lost for words. How do I present and describe Jesus in a way that remotely does him justice? And so what Paul does is he, he, he opens the hymn book. It wasn't probably a printed hymn book, but there was a, a, the, the church in his day had a collection of music, of songs that they would sing in their public worship, and that's what he turns to. He says, you guys know the words. I want you to think about the words to this song. I'm going to present them to you, and I want you to celebrate the one who is going to take us to our destination until we see him face to face. Christ is our engine. Verse 15, he says, And this is a song. He says, he's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Everything was created by him on heaven, on earth. The visible, the invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things. And in him, all things hold together. See, Paul's purpose in this letter is really clear. He's telling this church and he's telling our church today that to to not ever move away, don't ever move away from Christ in his gospel. He is the only one who will get us to where we're meant to go. His church has been shaped and formed by the gospel, and it is the vehicle. It is the ship. Don't jump overboard now. We're just getting started. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to the hymn listen to the hymn. He said, there is no one in his league. There is no JC versus anybody to be the greatest of all time. He's not just the goat. He is God. He is God in the flesh. Or as the creed said, he is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. How do you even use human words to describe him? That's why he goes to the song, the words that will stand the test of time. He's the image of the invisible God. Not in the same broken way that we humans are the image of God. He is the perfect reflection of God without sin. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Jesus said it himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation, meaning he has the highest rank of everything that exists. He's over all of it. Unless you think that he's saying that he was a created being, the first one to be created. No, the next verse corrects us and sets us. Right. He says, Everything that you see that exists was created by him and through him. He was uncreated, the uncreated creator. From the skin on your hands to the stars that are so far away that their light will probably never reach the a single human eye. This Jesus created all of it. And this same Jesus is also the friend of sinners like us. Every spiritual realm was created by Jesus. Including Satan and the demons who were once angels who fell from glory. Martin Luther, the famous church reformer, he wrote, the very famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress. And in one of the verses of that song, it says these words. It says, the prince of darkness, that's Satan, prince of darkness, grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. Why? How do we know? He says, one little word will fell him. One little word will destroy him, will send him fleeing forever. How how do we know? Because the same Jesus... The same Jesus who created the universe with a single word is the same Jesus who can defeat evil and darkness with a single word. That is how powerful Jesus is. Verse 17 says, Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus is the duct tape that keeps the wheels on, that keeps the wheels on the universe. Or to stick with the ship analogy, he's the rivets that hold everything in place. Unless you think that's an easy job, consider for a moment the precision that is required for the universe to operate the way that it does, the way we take for granted every single day. Take gravity, for example. According to actual scientists, if the strength of gravity, which is 9.8 meters per second squared, if that was changed just one fraction of a percent, life could not exist. There would be no planets, there would be no stars, there would be no life. The universe is what we call fine-tuned to an incredible degree. It is incredibly precise. And it is Jesus who we worship. Jesus, whose broken body and poured out blood that we remember every single week. He holds it all together without fail. Or to use Paul's language in Colossians 1, he holds all things together. You switch out Jesus for some other model, and everything collapses into the void. For City Light South Church to reach the destination of glory that God has intended for us, and for you to reach that same destination personally, your only hope is Jesus Christ, your engine. Christ and no other, no human philosophy, no alternate theory or religion. We gather around the word of Christ Christ. Every single week. We gather around the table, the body and blood of Christ, every single week. These are not human symbols and ceremonies. These are our life, instituted by Christ. We move away one fraction of an inch from Christ and Christ crucified, then we are sunk. We're sunk. He's not just the world's biggest engine. He is the world's only engine that will get us to our destination. Paul goes on in verse 18. He is also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. If Christ is the only engine that will get us to our destination, then it follows that his church that he built that he is building is the only vehicle that will help us to arrive at the destination Christ and his church are integrally and necessarily connected in other words if you are not connected to Christ's church you are not connected to Christ I'll say that again because this is something that we gets lost on us sometimes if you're not connected to Christ's church then you're not connected to Christ Christ is the head of the body. He's not a head that exists in isolation from the body. He is integrally connected to the body. And therefore, if you are connected to Christ, you are connected to his church. And if you're not connected to his church, then you're not connected to Christ. It says he, Paul says, he is the firstborn from the dead. The first one to conquer death and live and move and breathe and eat and drink in a resurrected body. And his body, is the guarantee that one day you will rise. One day you will also inhabit a resurrected body. No one outside the body of Christ is promised this, to conquer death, to inhabit a resurrection body. The, only, the promise of resurrection, the hope of heaven, is only for those in the body, in the vehicle. It says in verse 19, all of God's fullness dwells in Jesus, not outside of him in Jesus, in his body, not outside of him. And everything that is going to be reconciled will be reconciled to him and brought into his family, the church. When Christ returns, everything and everyone that is outside of Christ, everyone and everything that is opposed to Christ will be banished from his kingdom forever. Meaning there will be nothing in the new heavens or the new earth that is opposed to him or separated from him. Everything will be joined. Everything will be connected. Everything will celebrate the beauty and majesty of Christ together. The church and the world in the new heavens and the new earth will be one and the same. They will be that overlapping Venn diagram. There There is no world outside of Christ and his church in the new heavens and the new earth. That's where we're going and it's going to be a beautiful time. The church now spans history and spans the globe. It's made up of tens of thousands of local church communities gathered every week around Christ's word and Christ's table. It's been happening since the birthday of the church, the very first birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2, that very first Pentecost Sunday. You can read about it there. When this church, City Light South Church, launched In 2020, we we laid out that 5G mission that I said before. Um, Because church planting, church gatherings, was not something that was invented by humans. It's not something we came up with three years ago, but it's been happening forever. Christ is the one who said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. For us, this isn't about invention, this is about obedience. It's about walking in what, ha- what the Spirit has for us. This church is built on the foundation of the gospel. We gather weekly around the Word and table. We, get, we grow into who Christ intends us to be. We give sacrificially and we go to the nations to see his church multiplied in places where it does not exist. And so it matters that everything that we do here is built on, not some choose-your-own-adventure, whatever the latest book or podcast tells us to do, but it is built on the rock and the engine of Christ as is revealed in his unchanging word. I want to do just now a brief flyover of the rest of Colossians chapter 1. I'm not going to read it all again, um, but What I want you to see is that it is the life of Christ, the example of Christ, that is the roadmap, not just for us personally, but for our church as well. Here's what we do inside the vehicle, inside the vehicle that is his church with Christ as our engine. Four things that we're going to be on about this year as his church We're entering our fourth year of ministry, and these are four things that we're going to be on about. We're going to follow the example on the map of Christ's life, and we'll do it together four ways. We will stand firm together. Together we will suffer, together we'll speak, and together we'll strive. As elders, that's our commitment to this church, um, that we will stand firm. We will not move from the gospel. We will not move from the word of Christ. Verse 21 and following, it says, Like you, we were all once alienated enemies of Christ. But now, not because of anything we did, but because of what he did, we've been brought in. We've been brought near. We've been cleansed, forgiven, reconciled. We have peace with God. We are part of his body, and we are now on our way in his vehicle with Christ as the engine towards standing in front of him. Blameless. Blameless. How good is that? If we stand firm, it says, and don't stop believing in the gospel. The next time um, you take your car uh, to the petrol station uh, to fuel up, um, look around, um, and you, you think, How many of you, well, let me ask. How many of you get the premium fuel when you go? A couple of you. Some of you, I see all you successful people driving your fancy imported cars. You can afford it. Good for you. Um, You do have a choice of what fuel to get. And it is possible, you know this, to make the wrong choice. They, They try to make it difficult. They try to put some obstacles in your way. But you can make the wrong choice when it comes to fuel. If you put diesel engine or diesel fuel in an unleaded petrol tank or vice versa. Um, you could be uh, in for a very expensive um, few weeks ahead. Um, see, our job as, el- as elders of this church um, is to make sure that we put the right fuel in the engine and the fuel that we try to inject in the engine every single week is the fuel of the gospel. The fuel of the gospel. The Bible is 2000 years old, and that is a beautiful thing, really. But for, for some people, sometimes that can be a bit of an issue. I recently heard a pastor in Adelaide tell his church, guys, look, the world is changing so fast, all the time. The Bible is old. We need to be honest. And we need to really think long and hard about what it is that we, whether or not we're going to look to a 2,000-year-old book to guide what we're doing or whether we're going to look at the world around us. Friends, I have to tell you that as your elders, we will never not look to the Bible to guide what we're doing because anything else, any other truth, any other human wisdom is going to lead to disaster. It's going to lead to abject disaster. Sometimes we have to translate, and I mean not just translate from the original Greek and Hebrew into English, but we need to even translate the English to make it clear, not to change what it says, but to make the meaning come alive into our hearts, and so that's why we communicate. It's why I stand up here and don't just read verbatim every week, because I I want to take this word, and I want it to become alive. I want it to light it on fire for, for your heart that you can grasp it, that you can understand it, that you can believe it and celebrate it and build your life on it. That's why we preach. But we don't change. We don't have the freedom to change what's here. We stand firm, not with anger, not with a defensive posture. No, we stand firm with love and humility and grace. What we believe is not just about expressing ourselves or the latest idea. It is a stewardship that we get to do this together. We get to do this together as, as members of this church. It's not just the elders spoon feeding to you, it's you have His Word, you have His Spirit living in your heart. And if ever I preach anything or anyone other than Christ, if any of our elders lead us in a direction away from Christ or trust in some other engine or inject some other fuel, you as church members can stand up and say, No. No, let us never, ever leave the beauty and the truth of Christ and his word. We'll stand firm together. Number two, we'll suffer together. Just like Paul did. And everyone who's resolved to stand firm in the gospel. It's one of the hard parts that some people think it's okay to leave out, to change. You know, maybe maybe I don't have to die to my own ambitions. Maybe I can hold on to my goals and my dreams and my secret sins. I don't have to wrestle with and and conform my sexuality to what the Bible says. I don't have to die to my pride. But we do. We get to. And we do it not by ourselves, not alone, but together. Together. Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you, completing what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, Christ suffered as he took on our sins on the cross, on his shoulders, that we might have his righteousness in exchange. And we suffer too, not for sins, not to atone for sins, our own or anyone else's, but we suffer in order that we might faithfully present Christ to those who don't yet know him and to one another. It's not an easy thing to have a hard conversation with someone who is drifting away from Christ, who is stuck in a pattern of sin. That's, it's a form of suffering. To forgive someone, to extend grace and love to someone who has extended nothing but anger and hatred and sin and injustice to you. It's a form of suffering. To endure I'd say, I'm not, I'm not going to go off and do what the world says. I'm not going to take that extra money. I'm not going to enter that relationship because, no, I've, I love Jesus more. It, 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 it is a form of, of suffering, of, of, of resisting, of dying to self. But we do it not alone, but we do it together. We encourage one another together. We walk. We bear one another's burdens. He says, if, if, if Christ is the exalted preeminent engine If we're on our way to see him, then brother, sister, it is worth it to endure. It's worth it to hold out. It's worth it to suffer for him because of where we're going. Number three, we'll speak together. The gospel is, at minimum, a spoken word. It's an announcement that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of creation and he is Lord of his church that he came in history, that he conquered death, that he is coming again. So at the very minimum, the gospel is a spoken word. I mean, we've all probably heard that message, you know, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. I get it. We, we want our lives to conform, to agree with, to adorn the gospel. But you can never get rid of the words. It's always speaking. It's never just speaking. But it's never not speaking. We speak together so that others others now have access to God. To who is the word. Our charge is to make that message known. Number four, we'll strive together. Every single one of us, again, in the same boat, headed to the same destination. We all have a role to play. Christ is the engine. Christ is the engine. Some of us on the ship, Will hold different roles, different offices. If you're, I, I like that term. I'm not Presbyterian, but Presbyterians like to use the word office. And, and, and what I like about the Presbyterians when they use that word office is that they talk about those who have been set aside to a particular office, particularly the office of teaching, preaching, evangelism, prophecy. But then, that comes from Ephesians 4, but then they talk about the general office. The general office. And you know who holds the general office in the church? Everyone, all the members of the church hold the general office. We get to, and empowered by the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells powerfully within you, you can speak, you can encourage, you can show hospitality, you can minister to the saints, to your community, to your lost friends and family and co-workers. You hold the general office on the ship. There is no ordinary, unnecessary person on board. Everyone has a role to play, and we get to strive together. I, I, I like those um, stories you come across re- occasionally of people um, getting to the airport to catch their flight, and they find out that their flight has been severely delayed or canceled and, they, and, and, and this happens more often in the United States because dis- cities tend to be more like human distances apart from each other, and they will rent a vehicle. They'll rent a vehicle and get in together, and so you have this like, kind of like home alone experience of like a bunch of people who've never met together sharing a vehicle, swapping life stories, and becoming lifelong friends over the next 12 hours as they get to their destination. It's not too unlike church as it's meant to be, a group of people who often may not have anything in common or anything to do with each other apart from the fact that we have been saved and brought together into one family by Jesus Christ. And we're on board. We're stuck with each other, whether we like it or not. And that can be hard sometimes because, I mean, y'all stuck with me. But, but it can be Glorious. As the Lord uses us to sharpen and encourage and bless and love one another. I mean, we, we get to rejoice together. We get to grieve together. We get to arrive together. And one day we're going to be standing around the throne together. Singing the same song. Worshiping the same Lord. Standing in the same baptism. And it's going to be good. And we get to practice for that now. Every week. Every week. I'd say it's been quite a ride over these past three years on the HMS City Light South. Um, We've sailed through COVID waters. Uh, We've navigated being in a facility that we do not own. Um, We've had seasons of people stepping up to serve and other seasons of folks stepping down. Um, We've celebrated new life together. We've grieved loss together, but just like any family, that is standing firm, suffering, speaking, striving together. We are committed to not just three more years, but we're committed to being together as long as Christ tarries until we see Him face to face. Thank you for joining us for another message from City Light South Church. You can find out more about our church and connect with us at citylightsouth.org.au.